Good morning, everybody. He loves us. How many of you love him? Keep his commandments. <laughs> he loves us. Wow. Um, before we start this morning, uh, I'd like to recognize some visitors. We've got some old timers who came out of their way to visit us this morning, and I hope I get the names right. It's Gary and Penny Piata. Piata. Um, and Gary was a classmate of Pastor Ralph at Cosm. And somebody told me you, you were at Cosm before it was here on this campus. So. Hey, that was the first family I stayed with when I came. <laughs> well, welcome to you guys. We're glad you took the time to come join us this morning. Yeah. Something else I want to let you all know about this morning. We were gone, uh, a group of the kids, the Helping Hands Service Club from, from COS, uh, went down and did a lot of work for five days this week down at the Christian Wings for the World. Um, Lionel and Sarah Smith, who have a, an airstrip down in Ironton, and their work is to do various things, but training missionary air pilot, bush pilots is their calling. And we went down and did a lot of painting, a lot of uh, Jay and Sabrina Doster went with us, and uh, just kids did a lot of work. Had some good fishing, too, actually. Um, went camping. Um, for the, if you want to check that out, probably go to Sabrina's Facebook page. You'll see pictures of some of the things we did. So I want to recognize the, kit, the young people for, uh, for the work that they did this week, reaching out. And uh, this morning, we're, we're going to talk about a prosperous life. And uh, Warren started... Last week, uh, he gave us a, a good biblical foundation about financial prosperity. Uh, and we're going to have a series of sermons on um, poverty versus prosperity. And uh, what, what the, we're going to take a, a little broader look at prosperity today. Um, some questions might be answered are, what are the characteristics of a prosperous life? What does a prosperous life look like? And uh, how can we live a prosperous life? So, um, God talked to me about trees. Uh, in this. How many of you know this, uh, this famous poem? I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. Anybody know that one? Famous, famous line, it's, it's by uh, someone named Joyce Kilmer, who is a man, actually. And uh, Joyce... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the rest of the poem. He, uh, this is Memorial Day, he was a World War I hero. Um, Got to be tough if, you, if you're a man with the name Joyce, right? Um, <laughs> like a boy named Sue. Yeah. Um, but uh, he died a World War I hero in France. And uh, his poem is kind of a metaphor for the Christian life has some other interesting metaphors in there, um, like a breastfeeding metaphor. 
um, but we're going to read it anyway. Trees by Joyce Kilmer. I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree, a tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth's sweet flowing breast, a tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray, a tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair, upon whose bosom snow has lain, who intimately lives with rain. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. So I, yeah, I'd never been too familiar with that poem, but it, it kind of, the metaphor, it's definitely, uh, Joyce Kilmer was a devout Christian, and it's definitely talking about the Christian life, and it really fits with what the Lord put on my heart this morning, too. Um, did you ever notice how often the Bible also uses the metaphor of trees to describe the Christian life? Especially whether it's a pro whether the life is a prosperous, prosperous one or not. Some examples are Psalm 52, 8. It says, But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. That's a good promise right there, right? Proclaiming that you know if you're claiming that promise or not. Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Matthew 12, 33, Jesus said, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And in Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, this is a prayer I, God showed me to pray over Caleb when he was born. I've been praying it over my kids, actually all the kids in the school, pretty much every day. It says, Blessed is the man who who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers." How would you like it if in all that you do, you prosper? That's the Lord's heart for us. That's the Lord's heart for us. And, you know, as we're going to see today, I think, and we were singing about the love of God, that if we're a prosperous life is from the fact that we have the love of God. That's what makes us prosperous, and it manifests in all different kinds of ways in our lives. But we're going to look at this uh, concept of trees because a couple of weeks ago, the Lord, um, I was sitting outside having a quiet time and the Lord directed my attention to all the trees on campus. And since I live here, I'm familiar with a number of them. And uh, he pointed out some facts about them, things that would compare to our lives. So here's the first one. Every one of them is different and they're made for differing purposes and producing different fruits. 
They all go through seasons of growth and fruitfulness continually. They provide shelter and food for the creatures around them. Let's look at some examples. Look up at the screen. Oh, by the way, that, that tree by the entrance there, watch out for poison ivy around that one. Um, well, this one, I don't know if this one's a secret. I know Tom, the Kreuter family knows about it. I see you're wearing your white shirt this morning and you don't have purple mulberry juice stains on it. Um, so we're not giving away the exact location of this tree, but it, it is. <laughs> there are two of them on campus, actually. Um, this is exactly the time of fruition for the tree. Um, the, the driveway mulberry tree, and that one provides sweet, refreshing berries to travelers, people who are walking up uh, the driveway. Unfortunately, most of you drove today, I think. Um, and also critters. I've seen squirrels out on the limbs trying to get the berries and stuff. And, um, so that's one. Another one is the big oak by the pool. And that one shelters many kinds of animals. Uh, we were working on work day last month, and Tom was over there, and there's a big hole down at the bottom by the roots. And Tom's like, do you know what's, what lives in here? And I said, it's got multiple occupants. I've seen woodchucks go in there, skunks, squirrels, possums. I haven't seen any bears. I don't think any bears could fit in there. Um, but that is a tree that hosts, is a home for a lot of critters. And uh, then the, the next one is the big sycamore tree uh, by the playground. And that provides shade for children playing at recess, people enjoying picnics, uh, probably some meetings happen out there under that tree. That's a, that's a nice tree. That tree took a hit about five years ago, lost one of its main limbs, but it's still, still growing strong. Uh, then there's uh, the tree on the corner of the soccer field up here. It's a, it's a lonely one, but it's an important one because when we overwork the students at PE, they can come uh, cool off in the shade under this tree. And it's got, a, it's got an important purpose. Uh, down at Nick and Judy's yard, in their side yard, there's a, there's a redbud tree. And uh, it's beautiful, has beautiful blossoms in the springtime. And it has another purpose, too. It memorializes, I think it's Judy's mom. Uh, she planted that after her mom passed away. And so it's got a special purpose. And actually, if you look, look back there, way behind by the... Uh, there's a post back there that I mow around that Connie and I mow around that has no purpose anymore. But next to it, there's an apple tree uh, that memorializes uh, uh, Kathy and my first child who was, what's the word for that? Miscarried, yeah. Um, so these, those trees have a special purpose. There's a mulberry tree back there too, yeah if you want to trespass on the property and go find some. Um, it's not trespassing if it's church property though, right? Um, lastly, I want to point out uh, the Bradford pear tree. That's right by the entrance to our house up at the Heights building. And uh, that's an interesting story. 
because when, when we came back five years ago from China and moved in up there, uh, there was, it was a beautiful tree, beautiful shape, I don't know, it's probably 15 feet tall. And uh, originally, I think they'd planted a whole line of those, but it was the last one left, because unfortunately, Bradford pears have weak trunks, I think. But the first week of school, see, what I think, I think that actually this tree has a prophetic purpose. I think the Lord, uh, it kind of shows something about uh, the current um, phase of, of the ministry of Christian Outreach School. Um, because the first week of school five years ago, when we kind of restarted uh, the school, when it had dwindled down very low and we kind of changed how things work, um, that first Friday of the first week of school, a big storm came in in the afternoon, and the wind just broke that thing off like a toothpick at the, at the base, just toppled it over. And, uh, and now this tree, those are the, the shoots that were coming out of the roots, and we just let them grow. And now it's grown, and we let two of them keep going, and, and uh, it's, it's making, it doesn't, those don't make pears, but they, um, they make beautiful flowers. And so I think that tree's kind of got a prophetic, and you know, like, like people, trees have changing seasons of purpose, you know what I mean? We are multifaceted and God's purpose and blessing flowing from our lives is multifaceted. So we're not just talking about trees here this morning. We're talking about our people. Um, what kind of fruit, what kinds of fruit is God looking for from your life, from believers' lives? And I'm thinking of three different kinds. The first one I would say is the fruit of obedience. <laughs> Obedience is fruit. You know, we just heard um, the scripture reading said, if you love me, you will keep my commands, commandments. Um, I think there are two types of obedience. That, that first one, God's commandments in the word. We know the Ten Commandments, right? You shall have no other God before me, and uh, you shall not make for yourselves idols, and remember the Sabbath day, and honor your father and mother, and so forth. There are commands in Scripture that are right, that we should always keep. And that's one kind of fruit. And it's something, you know, as Christians, we don't earn our way to heaven, right? But that's the working of his grace. Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the commandments by any means. Uh, but he came to fulfill righteousness in through our lives. So it is by his grace and power, that's fruit, that he's looking for in our lives. But I think another kind of obedience is obedience to God's uh, spirit and his leading in our life. He's got a purpose for our life each day. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to all, to all, that's everybody, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In a Christian life, is not just a, a one-time decision, but it's, it's a matter of following. Jesus called people. He didn't just say, pray the prayer today, and you're in. He said, follow me. And uh, he said it repeatedly. And then he also said things like, take up your cross daily and follow me. So if he is going to be Lord 
of our lives, which you, you can't have him just as Savior. He is the Lord. Then it's a matter of daily obedience, isn't it? Obedience to his directives and his purpose. And how many of you are glad because he is the shepherd and we don't want to be sheep without a shepherd. He knows a lot more about our purpose, what it means for us to prosper than we do. And so we want to be obedient to his purposes, his long-term purposes and his short-term purposes, his purpose for the next hour. Um, and so um, that's, that's one kind of fruit, obedience. Uh, another kind is godly character. And we all know the passage from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Andrew, do you know it? The fruit of the Spirit? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, and faithfulness and gentleness. And it says in verse 23, against such things there is no law. Let's look at the godly character for a minute. You know, I, we're talking about prosperity. We usually we think of getting stuff, right? But if you look, I think prosperity is about giving. You know, Warren said last week when he was talking about finances that we are blessed not so we can spend it on ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing, right? That's, God wants to prosper us because he wants to, us to be conduits to the world of his resources, of his blessing. And yeah, he cares about us, but he cares about a lot more than, than us, right? And so this is all about giving. If, some people have suggested that the fruit of the Spirit is love and that grammatically that the other ones are, that there could be a colon there after love and other, the other words kind of show different aspects of love. I'm not sure if that's the grammar or not, but it is true that if you are loving, that's giving, right? If you are joyful, that's blessing other people. If you have peace, that's blessing others. Patience is these, these are all things that are giving. These are things that could be associated with generosity. <coughs> to be patient with others. To be kind. To do good things for others. To be faithful to others. Gentle. Use self-control. Those are, those are all giving things, right? And those are all aspects of love. And it says, against such things there is no law. Nobody's going to complain if you treat them this way. Now, people in, don't, people in the world, they don't like it sometimes when we are different than they are because they feel more comfortable if people around them are sinning and embracing sin, right? They feel convicted. Uh, sometimes when we do the right thing and we have the right character, they are convicted. And sometimes persecution comes from that because uh, they want to feel, the world wants to feel comfortable but um, these things are love. Also in Colossians chapter 3, there's another list of godly character qualities. Put on then as God's chosen ones, that's who you are, holy and beloved, beloved. You are loved. That's why we can do this. We are loved. We are beloved. Compassionate hearts. Now that's giving, right? Kindness, humility, that's uh, willingly putting yourself under somebody else. 
Meekness means willing to follow the right authority. Patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. That's a big one. Those are big ones. But that, that's all giving, isn't it? As the Lord has forgiven you. You know, that's why we can do it. The Lord has loved us. He's forgiven us so we can do likewise. In fact, we need to do likewise. So, you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. And it really, to be thankful, that, that's, a, that's a big one. You know, we were, we were in a marriage series and I, was, I had another idea of something to preach on in marriage and that was thankfulness versus complaining. So I'm just going to put it out there. And it's not just for married people, it's for all relationships. It's a way to give to somebody. To, if, if you are a prosperous person, it will show in your, your attitude towards other people. A thankful heart, to be grateful for them. Yes, they have faults. Yes, uh, they, they sin. They're sinners. Uh, but you're thankful for them. And how can you be that way? Because you've got everything you need from God, right? And so you can afford to be lavishly generous with your attitude towards others. Um, do we take advantage of that? That's the question. But... Um, these are godly character qualities. That's fruit God's looking for. One other kind of fruit category that I'd say is doing the works of God is another kind of fruit. And this could be very wide-ranging. You know, God is, God is multifaceted. And uh, he does a lot of things. <laughs> and so we don't want to limit to just like, okay, I'm going to be a pastor, I'll be a missionary or church worker of some kind. No, it... There, there are all kinds of ways that we do the works of God. Could be uh, supernatural miracles and healings or other kinds of spiritual gifts. It could be uh, that you are an intercessory prayer and that you pray for other people. Those are works of God. Uh, raising godly children as a father or a mother or a grandparent. Evangelism, obviously, uh, spreading the gospel. We think of fruit, people coming to the Lord, but doing those works. Uh, preaching and teaching God's word, not just like I am doing right now, but when you speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and encourage one another daily. Uh, working for justice in the many ways that we need it here in the world. Uh, Productive labor for your company, in your job. We know the Bible says that's the work of the Lord. That's the work of God. Do everything for him, it says in Colossians. And um, creative artwork. We know God is the creator, right? So artwork, music, worship, dance, any kind of those kind of things are the works of God. Uh, developing innovations, inventions that are be useful to society, to the people 
around us. That's the work of the Lord. That's, those are works of God. Um, providing compassionate and effective health care. If it seems like I'm trying to talk about every job that everybody does, I am. <laughs> because that's the work of God. And uh, it says in Ephesians 2.10, this is a lot of people's uh, a favorite verse of a lot of people, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, um, that's an awesome. God prepared them beforehand. We get to walk in them. These are the works of God. In other words, it's not our own works. It's really God, the works that God does that we get to do. He prepares them, and we get to walk in them. It's a good, um, like, it's in a nutshell, um, how grace works itself out in our lives. John 14, 12, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. All right, think about the works that Jesus did. <laughs> you know, read the gospel. You know, the things that he preached and with authority and the people that he healed, the dead he raised and the food he multiplied and demons he cast out of people and set them free and all these works that he did in giving of himself to bring salvation. You know, we're not the Savior, but we are walking in his shoes, right? Uh... All of those works, he said, we will do even greater things than that because he's going to the Father. And so this is the fruit God's looking for from our lives as well. He's looking for fruit. And it's giving. It's flowing out to other people. That's a prosperous life. Now something else he pointed out to me about trees is that each tree is planted in its own spot. And the Lord has planted each of us, his people, to grow into his purposes for us as healthy trees of righteousness. But you know, every tree is planted in a spot. You've heard this, the old saying, I don't think it's in the Bible, but it says, bloom where you are planted. Ah, I like that one. That's, that's a good one. I've found in my life that the Lord plants me in a place. You don't want to root yourself up where you've been planted. Okay, to be planted, that's, what kind of verb is that? What do they call that? Where you're being acted upon. You're not doing the action, you're being acted upon. And uh, God is the planter. The plant would not want to root itself up because it didn't like where it was planted or something about its situation. Um, let me read some verses that I read before. Psalm 1, verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Psalm 92, 12 to 15. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. You know, we kind of get the idea... Oh, we, we kind of think we go where we want to. We make our own choices. And, but as a Christian, remember, he is Lord. We have a gardener 
who plants us in certain places. Now you might say, well, the Apostle Paul, he was a missionary. He went from here to there. And yes, but how did he decide where to go? Well, first off, somebody came up with a pro prophecy in his home church, which was Antioch, which is a home church that he seemed to be rooted in for his entire lifetime of ministry. And they prophesied and set him, set them apart and sent him and Barnabas out, right? And then when they were traveling, he said things like, but the spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow us to go there where we were planning to go. And so this planting is, first of all, I think he, he stayed planted in, in the group of people that God had put him amongst in the fellowship. And secondly, he was going where God was putting him. You know what I mean? So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stay in the same spot your whole life. That's, that's not accurate. But, but it means you are planted and you don't move unless he moves you. And uh, a lot of times, think about what, what happens to a, to a plant or a tree if it continually gets uprooted and moved. Uh, you're going to damage the root system. It's not going to thrive, right? I know in China, it was pretty interesting in China. You know, we think, I'm going to talk about root systems. Trees have big root systems. You ever transplanted a tree? Usually we take the little saplings, right? Well, in China, they'd have these trucks come by, and along the edge of the road, you know where they plant the lines of trees? Uh, they would come, these big trees that were like a foot and a half in diameter, and they'd pull those off, and they'd have a root ball on them about this big, and that's it. And they'd be, you know, they'd be about, I don't know, 10 feet high, 8, 10 feet high. And they were cut off at the top, and they were cut off at the bottom, and they'd take these things, and they'd plant them in the ground. But they grew, actually. They did grow, but they were in the city surrounded by protective buildings. I would not have wanted to be under one of those things in a heavy windstorm, you know? So in other words, if you uproot yourself from church to church or from situation to situation because you're not happy, uh, you might have the appearance of, of living and thriving, uh, but there's gonna be something wrong with the roots. And I would suggest that we're not going to thrive, we're not gonna prosper unless we let the gardener be the one who plants us and decides when to transplant us if necessary. Um, you know, what you might say, well, what if I'm not happy in the place where I'm planted? Well, let's look at Jeremiah 29, four to seven. We like Jeremiah 29, it's got a nice verse in it. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you to give you hope in a future. We like that one. But here's the context of it. He's talking to the Israelites who were taken in captivity to Babylon. And he's telling them, you're going to be here for a while, so you might as well plant yourself and make the best of it. <laughs> because I know I, the plans that I have for you, and this is my plan for you right now. And I have plans in the future that work out of this. Well, let's read this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, 
Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. So we're going into the next generation here, aren't we? That they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. It doesn't sound like we're going to be going back to Israel too soon. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. All right, so I'm guessing that a lot of these Israelites who are taken out of Israel, this was a punishment, right? It wasn't necessarily a punishment for their own sins, it was for their ancestors' sins. Uh, but they were in that situation. I think they could have complained and they might have been unhappy about certain aspects of it. But God is telling them, bloom where you're planted. Prosper where you planted. And, and seek the prosperity of this place that came and destroyed your country. That's, that's quite a thought, isn't it? Uh, what all I'm saying from it is, um, if, if you're not... If you're not so sure about the situation you're in, don't be too quick to say, I gotta get out of here and find something else. You need to find out from the Lord what's his will because you shouldn't be moving. You shouldn't be getting out of that into something else unless it's the Lord leading you. I know um, when we came back from China, I, I remember saying just... Uh, the year, the last year we were there, I just feeling like, I really feel like I'm in my niche right now, you know, just some of the ministry and things that were going on, and and then we moved back to America, and um, there's a lot of blessings being here and living on campus. It's it's just it's a blessing, but it's a different kind of work. It's a different kind of ministry, uh, and. Uh, and there, there were times when I thought, okay, I can bide my time here a little bit doing this. You know, you know we go in, going back into a situation where I'm in a classroom teaching five kids, elementary school, compared to, you know, being in a foreign country and leading Bible studies and uh, teaching big groups of college kids as a university. Not that it, you know, it's not, a, God doesn't care about what, level you're at. In fact, he probably values the little kids more than the big kids, right? And not, he loves everybody equal. But I mean, you have to find somebody trustworthy to deal with the younger ones. But, you know, there were times when I thought, okay, am I being promoted or demoted or what? But it doesn't matter. It's the Lord's plan. You know what I mean? And I will stay in this situation until the Lord moves me somewhere else if he does. But you know, wherever we've been, we've been planted in this church and I feel like that's an important thing. Just like Paul was as a missionary. And uh, you know, so put down roots, don't transplant yourself. Isaiah 61, 1-3 um, talks about uh, what we do when we're planted. 
The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. These are all giving kinds of things, right? In fact, these are very, it, it's a powerful hero who can do all these things. Um, this is a picture of a person who's bringing down the resources of heaven onto earth, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, and this is a prophecy about Jesus the Messiah, right? But it's also a prophecy that as his followers, we walk, we are called to walk in. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So the ultimate purpose is the glory of the Lord. He gives us his love, his power, his resources. He prospers us and he gets the glory. And along the way, people around us are blessed. That's a prosperous life. Now something else about trees is that they have to be protected from things that want to kill them. Uh, we've talked a lot about the vines. I've had about enough of vines around campus, especially certain kinds. Um, poison ivy, the number one. But uh, there are parasites, there are tree diseases that are going to try to attack and kill the trees. And this requires vigilant maintenance. You know, uh, there's a picture of the hole number two on our Frisbee golf course, and it's soon to become hollow stump number two. And I'm not sure what killed it exactly, but uh, that big vine crawling all over it might have something to do with it. Uh, I'm guessing it attacked the bark, which is where all the nutrients go up and down the tree. And, uh, you know, a little proper regular weed eating around that tree probably would have kept that vine from getting up there, you know. Not putting guilt on myself or anybody else because, but in your own life, we can do that kind of maintenance, right? And we, and we need to. Um, for third John 1 3 John says dear friend I pray that you may enjoy good health and it all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well I think that's a really key verse about prosperity and then saying well first of all it says it's, a, it's his will he's writing the word of God and you can't lie uh, God's will is that we enjoy good health. Uh, good health, good. Sickness, bad. Okay? Um, not, no guilt on anybody that's sick. We all have certain infirmities, but God's heart is for us to be in good health and that all may go well with us. Not saying that we won't have troubles. He didn't say that. But that we'll prosper. And do you see the connection between the soul prospering and other areas of your life, including your physical health prospering. And so it, 
the soul and the heart is very important and we need to carefully maintain what goes on there if we want to pro have a prosperous life in every way. Proverbs 4.23, I think this is about the third time I've preached on this this year. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. What an important verse. What an important concept. So, what kind of things do we need to watch for? Well, I think the first one is sin in our life. You know, while we have the forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ as believers, any kind of sin that's in our lives is destructive and it's counteractive to fulfilling God's purposes for our life. Do you agree? Yes. It's destructive. Sin is destructive. Sin is not good. Even though we've been forgiven, sin is still not healthy for us and it's not going to help us to prosper. Um, if we let sin go unrepented, and that's the key right there, uh, repenting of our sin, it can climb and entangle in our lives like those vines crawling up that tree on hole number two. And so repentance is important. We need to ask the Holy Spirit, search our hearts and be ready and eager to repent if we see the need. Don't be prideful. Don't. If we, we know we're not perfect. Uh, we know we have grace in God, so repent. Love repenting. It's, it's a blessing to us. Another kind of thing that we need to watch for would be the cares, the worries, and the interests of this world, this life. Um, they could become idols in our lives and they can squeeze out God from the place that he deserves and needs to be in our lives. In other words, uh, a Christmas tree could have a, some excitement for about a month right after it's cut it's an ex it would be exciting to be a christmas tree but there is no long haul for a live christmas tree it won't be live for long right uh, so in the same way we are not made for all the things of this world we are made for eternity and so we need to seek god with our whole life Unforgiveness is another is the other one that I would say is a big one. Bitterness, unforgiveness, having trouble forgiving. People don't usually set out to say, I'm going to be bitter and I'm going to unforgive. The devil doesn't play fair. And he will take people's hurt and pain that has been caused because somebody sinned against them or us. And he will try to take that and multiply the destruction of it in any way he can and his biggest weapon I think is unforgiveness because if we you know Jesus commanded us to forgive and he said forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us that um, he knows that not forgiving is going to take us out of the prosperous life that he wants for us and it's going to cause us all kinds of problems and the devil would love to to take a bad situation and make it worse for us um, but we are aware of his schemes 
Yeah, I liken the problem of unforgiveness in, the, in our society to, to like um, a tree. There's a tree parasite. Uh, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and a few years ago, coming back, have you ever heard of the ash borer? You're not supposed to take firewood from one place to another because of things like the ash borer. It's a, it's a critter that came from China and Korea and Japan. Came over probably in, a, in wooden crates for shipment. Entered America through Detroit. I'm not sure what that says about Detroit, but um, in 2002, they think. And has been working its way across the Midwest and an ever wider swath of our country, and it's killing all the ash trees. Now, ash trees are important because that's what they make baseball bats out of. Well, in the city of Fort Wayne, they also decided, somebody made a decision, you know the tree lawns, the little strip between the sidewalk and the street and all the neighborhoods? Well, in Fort Wayne, they decided to plant ash trees on all those tree lawns. And so a few years ago, all those trees were dying and being cut down because of this ash borer, emerald ash borer. And what it does, it effectively, it gets in uh, the bark and it eats little, little pathways around through the bark and uh, pretty much girdle, girdles the tree. In other words, if you, if you remove the bark from a circle around the trunk, you'll cut off all the supply line of nutrients to the rest of the tree. And that's what they do if effectively. Um, that, the ash borer has killed tens of millions of ash trees since 2002 and still, still going. In the same way, unforgiveness has been very destructive in the lives of people. And um, we need to ask for God's grace and be vigilant about forgiving. Now, the thing, here's what I always pray. Jesus, I thank you that you already paid the price for my sins and the sins that other people have committed against me. Because he has. I don't need my pound of flesh anymore. It's already been paid by Jesus. And so we have the ability. You know, remember, we can do it because we are children of God, beloved children. We've got that river of life within us. And so we are totally able to do it through the grace of God. We are prosperous. And so we can share that with others. God is the one who is the judge. I thank him for that too. You've got that job. I don't have to do it. You've got my back. I don't need to protect my back, so to speak. But I do need to protect my back from the, from the uh, traps of the enemy. And that's one of them. Another thing about trees is they, uh, they reach ever higher and further out with root systems that also reach ever deeper and broader, drawing strength from the ground, the firm foundation that God provides for us. And uh, yeah, I never thought about the fact comparing trees to breastfeeding, but they do get their nutrients from the ground. And... Uh, you know, they say, generally speaking, a tree's root system underground is the same size as the crown of the tree above ground. And so 
you know, a tree is ever, ever reaching out and higher and further and ever going deeper in its source. And you know, likewise, we need to be rooted in the Lord and in his love. As we've been saying, if, you're, if we're going to be flowing God and his love, we've got to have the source, right? We've got to be tapped into it. Jesus said, uh, abide in me and you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. We are not alone. He's given us the Holy Spirit to strengthen us so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You know, you can bear fruit. Christ is in there through the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in what? Love. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That's the rest of you guys. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You know, one of, the, one of the Holy Spirit's main purposes is to reveal things to us, to give us revelation. And I think that's one of the biggest revelations he's been sent to do is to reveal how much God loves you. You know, we can know in our head, yeah, I know God loves me, but to really have it deep in my heart, that's when you can bear fruit. That's when it's going to be flowing out of you. And so the way to do that is to be rooted and established in his love. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Think about what that means. That's prosperity. That You're filled with the fullness of God. You can give. You can love. You can overflow. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Okay, so who we're rooted in, we're rooted in his love, we are rooted in him, right? And we are strengthened in our faith, and faith is how we access things in the kingdom. Faith is our connection to Jesus, right? And so that is how we are rooted, and that's how we sink our roots deeper. You know, we could talk about that connection to him, of course, being in his word, communicating with him in prayer and worship, and walking with him, conscious of his presence day by day. We are developing roots in him. And we don't want to uh, be like a tree without roots. We know what happens to them. Overflowing with thankfulness. Again, a thankful heart. Overflow. Am I overflowing with thankfulness? That's, that's going to be a kind of fruit um, in my life. Now, trees are ever growing up and out, right? But they're not always allowed to do that. So another thing about pruning, God says, is uh, about trees is that pruning is necessary. And it's for proper growth, for a desired shape and structure, 
or for the good of things which they are planted near. For example, homes, power lines, roads, etc. Look at this picture up here. That's down here by the electric box. And there's a, the big, I don't know what kind of tree that is, elm tree? Ash. Oh yeah, it is an ash tree. And we gotta watch that tree for ash borers. Um, but the, the power company came and cut off a good number of limbs off that tree, and it looks like half a tree down below, doesn't it? And I don't know if you can see behind the power pole, but there's a pine tree that's kind of an interesting shaped pine tree because it's got one side and the other side's flat. <laughs> and uh, if I were a pine tree, I'd feel self-conscious if I were that pine tree, and you might too. But evidently that's, you know, there's a purpose for there. It's planted there with the power lines in between. And uh, it's, it's been pruned because of who it's around, what it's around. And the same way, sometimes our lives are the same way. That we're going to be pruning based on the purpose and the place God's put us. And that's up to him, not us. Pruning is not always fun. Uh, we like Christmas trees that are nice and triangular, right, cone-shaped, but uh, evidently big farms have some kind of equipment that goes and constant, frequently trims those trees to make sure that they have that beautiful shape. Um, the Keeners invited uh, Stephen Kreuter over about a year ago to their yard where they've got an apple tree the next slide, I think, shows it. And, uh, and he pruned, you know, he cut off a bunch of branches off of that thing. But he assured us that that's, you know, Stephen knows his plants. That's, the, that's what it needed to be fruitful, uh, not to waste all that growth. Then this year, this was this March, we came, look how many, I don't know if you can see, but all these new growth, they're growing straight up out of those bent down branches. And uh, I'm guessing that those need to be pruned as well, right? But, uh, you know, Jesus said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That's your reward for bearing fruit. No, that's not the reward, but that's, the that's just a part of it that it may bear more fruit. And so God will prune us in our lives, and that's still a prosperous life. In Hebrews 12, verse 9, it says, Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So don't despair when you get pruned by the Lord. And don't fear it. It's for your good. And it's, make, it's making you fruitful and prosperous. More fruitful. Um, so, to sum it up, a tree cannot appreciate all the influence it will have during its lifetime. 
you're not going to see it. But it will accomplish its destiny by remaining a healthy tree and persevering in its station through all seasons, weather, and activities around it. You know, a tree drops its, well, the deciduous trees, they drop their leaves every year. <laughs> and all winter they look dead, right? They go dormant. And so, you know, don't get discouraged. Persevere. Uh, keep in your station. And be vigilant to keep your soul healthy. And God will see to it that you prosper. No matter what happens around you, he knows what's going on. James 1, starting at verse 2, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How many of you like that verse? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Do you see that? That you can interrupt the work of perseverance by not persevering? Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that's a verse about prosperity, right? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. God is interested in our prosperity. How many of you believe that? But it's a prosperous life. And um, I didn't touch on everything about prosperity, but there's a kind of a spiritual foundation for it, maybe. And, uh, you know, we are the Lord's plantings. He desires you to be fruitful. Fruitful, healthy trees. It's for the display of His splendor. And it's all because He loves you. In fact, that's how we are fruitful. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks. We all give you thanks this morning that you are the gardener and we are your plantings and we are made for the display of your splendor and we are made to bring heaven down to earth that we have a river of life flowing through us through Jesus Christ and your love. Would you, Holy Spirit, reveal, give us fresh revelation of your love for us would you give us grace to be vigilant? Would you root out every kind of um, parasite, parasitic thing in our life that would try to keep that love from flowing, that would try to hinder our growth, that would try to strangle our connection to you so that we might be fruitful? Lord, you designed each of us different. I pray that we would not envy one another. I pray that we would not uh, grow weary in doing good. I pray that we would not grow impatient, but that we would abide in the vine, that we would keep looking to you and lifting our hands to you. Give us thankful hearts. Give us eyes that see you. Give us hearts that are confident in your love. Keep us deeply rooted in you. And Lord, we give you permission to do the pruning that you need to do. And Lord, we say, keep us planted and we give you permission to be the one who determines where we are and what we do as we are your planting, your oaks of righteousness. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Amen.